Real people. Real opinions. Real Talk Radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Now, as you may or may not know, and I've talked to you many occasions, that myself and Jane, we come up with ideas for the show just from our little chats during the day. And today we start talking about, you know, have you ever been in a, had an experience where you nearly died or you thought you might have died, a car crash, whatever, you know, and we were kind of going to put it out to people to have near-death experiences. And then I start setting Jane these challenges. You know, I said, maybe we could find somebody who's an expert, you know, on kind of near-death experiences. And of course, Jane, my producer, went digging as she did. But what a gem. She came across a fascinating book called Proof of Heaven. And it's a New York Times first bestseller. And it's written by Dr. Ibn Alexander. Uh, Dr. Ibn was an academic and neurosurgeon for over 25 years. And in 2008, he experienced a transcendental near-death experience during a week-long coma from an inexplicable brain infection that completely transformed his worldview. And he wrote about it. And I'm delighted to say he joins me on the line. Good evening to you. Well, it's great to be here, Niles. Thanks so much for having me on. And I want to make sure I pronounce your name properly. It's Eben or Eben? Eben is probably the best. Eben. Eben. Eben, you know, firstly, the, the brain infection that you got, and I've heard of people having brain infections before, so bad that you ended up in a coma. And I'm always fascinated by if people remember anything at all about being in a coma, because obviously I've never been in one, but do you remember being in a coma? Well, it's interesting that one of the unusual features of my near-death experience was that my memory was deleted. So in other words, when I went through the seven-day coma due to severe bacterial meningoencephalitis, my brain was uh, heavily inactivated. Uh, The surprising thing is that when I woke up on day seven, uh, my brain was so wrecked, I didn't even recognize loved ones, my mother, my sisters, my sons at the bedside. All I knew was where I had just been. Uh, but the memories came back very rapidly, literally over hours and days. My language returned, knowledge of all my uh, past events in my life, which had been deleted during the event. And uh, that's really one of the biggest surprises. Uh, and that didn't affect, your, it didn't affect your motor functions. Like, in other words, you, you knew how to pick up a glass and drink, you know, and eat. And, so it didn't affect any of your motor functions, just, just I suppose, your consciousness and, and what you could remember. Well, no, this is a very severe case. So mm. I needed physical therapy for uh, weeks afterwards. I had some imbalance. I had some weakness. Uh, the interesting thing, though, from a scientific viewpoint, is that... Uh, Based on the medical parameters of the case, I should have just died. Uh, And it was reported uh, not just in the book Proof of Heaven, but medical details are in a case report that came out in the Journal of Nervous and Mental Diseases, September 2018, by three doctors not involved in my care, but shocked by my recovery. That's really the part that gets the attention of the medical world, is having a complete recovery from this illness is really unprecedented. And that's what really demands explanation. But then you find that in other NDEs, uh, people have cured uh, things that we thought were incurable. And what about your uh, what about your knowledge? I mean, the knowledge you had or still have as an academic neurosurgeon. Did you still re- or did you regain or retain the knowledge that the years of knowledge that you had, or did you lose any of that as well? Every bit of that came back over about two months. Okay. Uh, in fact, there, there were conversations with family and friends of very distant early events in life that where I realized the memories were more complete after they came back than they had been before I went into coma. And we talk about all that in the third book, In Living in a Mindful Universe. So we talk about how memories are not even stored in the brain. 
I mean, this is all about a scientific revolution that shows the primacy of consciousness in the universe. And the science on this is very solid. I always, uh, I always no think about yeah. I always think Sorry? about the I always think about the brain and consciousness as being two separate things altogether. And I suppose from a religious point of view, it certainly is. But you know, from a scientific point of view, is the brain and consciousness separated? I mean, is there are they separate things? And have we ever been able to really measure that? Because the best computers in the world, and we can see how technology is moving on now with AI, but it's still not sentient. It still can never replace the human brain. Although the human brain can be inaccurate, uh, computers are probably more accurate when it comes to recalling memories, but still the ability of the human brain. Will we ever be able to replicate that? And the second question is, is the brain and consciousness separate? Well, I would say that mind is much more than, than you can explain by brain. Uh, this was concluded by um, Roger, uh, I'm sorry, not Roger Penrose, but um, uh, the renowned uh, uh, Wilder Penrose, the neurosurgeon in Canada, back in 1975, wrote a book where he made it very clear, based on careful study of the brain, that you cannot fully explain consciousness and mind based on the workings of the brain alone. And the modern science of consciousness, which uh, we explore in our book, Living in a Mindful Universe, goes a long way towards uh, supporting this current scientific revolution, which says the brain is a filter that allows a primordial, united form of consciousness to present into us. And we think that our consciousness is our own, but you can show with scientific demonstration of telepathy, of things like remote viewing, distance healing, that our consciousness is actually something that we share with our fellow beings. And uh, this is where the science of consciousness is getting to be very exciting, but it shows the reality not only of the afterlife, but of past life memories in children and reincarnation. The science fully supports it. Now, most of us don't remember past lives because they're natural processes that cover them over at age six or seven, so we just don't remember them. Uh, but a lot of children do. And in fact, the scientists who have studied that realize that consciousness is something that uh, is not extinguished with the death of the brain and body. Uh, After-death communications, near-death experiences, deathbed visions, all these things I used to think were hallucinations or wishful thinking. I now realize, based on the modern science of consciousness, that they're simply showing us that our souls are very real and that our soul, in many ways, is not limited to the death of the brain and body. Our souls remain connected. This is a very important part of after-death communications. So the mm. science is really supporting a much bigger view of reality than the false yeah. uh, view of materialism. I suppose the, the scientific word is consciousness. The religious word is probably the soul, uh, and we, we, people talk about that all the time. And there's many different theories around the world, including Chinese theories in relation to how the soul operates and how the consciousness operates. But in, in relation to, you know, when you hear somebody saying, I had a near-death experience, I nearly died on the operating table, and they talk about seeing a light and going towards a light, or they talk about, you know, rising up from their own body and being able to see their own body on an operating table. Is there a scientific explanation, as well as the religious explanation for that, of course, which is, you know, a calling from God, but is there a scientific explanation for why we might see a light? Is that something to do with the brain? Is that Can that be scientifically explained? Yes, it can be very scientifically explained. And the fact of the matter is that it's not due 
to the materialist explanations of brain physiology that we used to think were the case. You simply need a much bigger field of operations to explain all this, and it's one that involves our spirituality and the spiritual nature of the universe. We can deny the evidence and we can pretend it's not real, but the scientific study of consciousness shows that things like the afterlife and uh, communication with souls who've left the physical plane and memories in children suggesting that they've been here before, uh, you know, by the thousands of cases have been studied. Um, and, and the world, the scientific world, is just beginning to wake up to this. But what we're realizing is that the science of materialism or physicalism that pretends that only the physical world exists, that branch of science is being left behind. In fact, the Nobel Prize in Physics in 2022 was given for entanglement. Entanglement, a quantum physics phenomenon, is very deeply related to this primordial mind and this universal conscious field that we all share and that the brain filters in. And so we're, mm-hmm. we're really awakening to how science fully supports this, but it's not that bleak and paltry fiction of materialist science, uh, because that materialism and, and uh, physicalism have basically been left behind as inadequate models of reality due to this quantum-informed uh, vision of consciousness that studies things like past life memories in children showing reincarnation and studies uh, shared death and near-death experiences and studies the hospice community realizing that dying is the very same as uh, near death. Uh, the, the very same experiences happen. People encounter uh, the souls of departed loved ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I used to think, of course, that was a hallucination. I now realize uh, that it, it's a, basically an imprimatur that shows you the experience is authentic. If someone is connecting with souls of their loved ones who have left the physical world, that means they're actually going through the dying process and that they're having very real contacts with those souls wow. who have left. This is where the scientific... Okay, and, and that brings me to my next question there, because we, we sometimes put it down to coincidence. And, and you know, there's, there's that very famous book by Rhonda, whatever her face was, uh, but they, they call The Secret. And it talks about the law of attraction. And it talks about this idea that the brain is like some sort of transmitter, um, you know, that transmits a frequency similar to what we're doing right now on radio. So... You know, you, you kind of think of somebody, maybe an aunt or an uncle that you haven't seen in a long, long time, and then 10 minutes later, the phone rings, and it's them, and you go, gosh, how did that happen? Uh, or you meet somebody on the street that you have thought about, maybe even in a dream or something, but you haven't seen them in 20 years, and all of a sudden, you meet them the next day. These kind of things that... Do you believe the brain can actually transmit a signal outside of our own body? Yes, absolutely. Telepathy is real. Just read Guy Leon Playfair's book on twin telepathy, where he demonstrates that 35% of identical twins have had powerful telepathic experiences. And, of course, you don't have to be twins to have telepathy, but it's very easily demonstrated in twins. Uh, This is really about the scientific world waking up. Uh, In fact, I would recommend that your listeners go to BigelowInstitute.org, and what you will find is 29 essays written by scientists around the world in the year 2021 that support the reality of the afterlife. And there, many of them are very scientific. So BigelowInstitute.org, and uh, you can start to learn a tremendous amount about the scientific evidence that fully supports the reality of the afterlife and of reincarnation. Within a decade or so, no scientist will doubt the reality of any of this, 
because the evidence all leads in one direction, and that is that our souls are very real and uh, we come back again and again. And, and when it comes to telepathy and when it comes to transmitting signals, is that done neurologically? Is do you because obviously you've studied the you know, as a neurosurgeon, you've studied all this academic neurosurgeon, you've studied all well, this. Well, what it, what I mean, it involves? Go ahead. Sorry. Yes, what it what it involves is this notion of the of the primacy of mind of this field of consciousness. That is what entanglement is all about. Entanglement is showing you a connection beyond space and time of information. And that is uh, why the Nobel Prize Committee giving out that award for entanglement is a giant step forward in leaving behind the fiction of materialism and its false belief that consciousness is created by the brain. Uh, Again, Mm -hmm. once you realize that consciousness is primary in the universe and that we share consciousness and that the brain serves as a filter transceiver, then things like remote viewing and telepathy and all these other effects start to make more sense. I start thinking of these things very deeply. Myself and Jay, my producer, were talking about this on the phone today. And I, I was saying, oh, I was in a car crash many, many years ago. And I remember another time I nearly got hit by a bus because I wasn't looking what I was doing. And I said... I believe, and this is just my own theory, and I remember reading it somewhere, and it kind of ties into my fa- being a fan of Marvel, by the way, in the multiverse. I, I do believe that in some way that if you die, you don't actually die. That from that point, your consciousness moves on and you live another life in another direction. That this, this idea of parallel worlds or parallel universes or that our consciousness is not actually just in one straight line, if you know what I mean. So no... I, maybe I'm not explaining this properly, but that in some way that consciousness just moves on to the next part of life. But in the old way, in your old life, you're dead. But it, like, say, for example, you had have died during that time when you had that coma. I'm very sorry to hear that, by the way. I'm sure it was a very traumatic experience for you. But maybe another version. Well, it actually, was one of the, it was one of the greatest gifts of my life. Oh, well, I couldn't be more grateful <laughs> for going through that. Well, obviously, from what you've learned now, yes, absolutely, from what you've learned now. But if you had have died on that bed, you know, at that time, that another version of Eben would have went on and lived a life, continued on a life cycle, because your consciousness just lives on. That everything we see around us could possibly be just a hallucination that it from our well, consciousness. I, I think the important thing to point out is that we live these lives in this material world for a purpose, and that purpose is to learn and teach uh, about our uh, kind of relationship with the universe at large. So all of this has a purpose, and it also, a deep purpose, is realizing that we're bound together through the forces of love. That is the deepest, most profound lesson from near-death experiences across all cultures going back for thousands of years, uh, no matter what someone's belief system, because in these near-death experiences, we come to realize that in the life review, the more we were able to demonstrate love and help other people, the better. That enhances our soul journey. If we were very selfish and greedy, that doesn't do anything good mm-hmm. for our soul journey. Mm-hmm. The life review is a very important indicator of how we're all in this together, and we need to take care of each other. And this modern world, with all of our political polarization and all the craziness uh, of conflict and warfare, is something that is completely countered by the beautiful connection we sense through near-death experience stories, the power of life reviews, and the power to realize that we're all in this together. Because when you study life reviews scientifically, you find out that they're more real than the events of the material world. 
And not only that, but when we go through them, it's like we experience them from the perspective of others around us who are influenced by our own thoughts. And, and, so and, words, but isn't, but isn't, isn't, isn't that, it's, it does not make it difficult to understand. If we, in our consciousness, have a very good understanding of how other people feel, which we do, by the way, because we can sense emotions in other people constantly all the time, whether we've hurt their feelings or whether we've said something that might upset them or, or whether we hurt them physically. So we can sense that. And we all have the one goal, which is to enjoy this life while we're here. So that, it, that makes it really hard to explain then why there are bad people in the world. Because, you know, if those bad people are out there, you know, who will hurt people, who kill people, start wars, whatever it happens to be, I mean, surely they share the same consciousness and the same world that we live in. So why don't they understand that? Or why don't they share that same consciousness and emotion that we do? Well, I would say that we all do share that, but people's upbringings, your kind of background in this particular material lifetime, does play a big role in how you kind of trust or don't trust the world. And I would say that, uh, you know, for some people, they've, uh, in, in fact, there's evidence from the work of Ian Stevenson, uh, what he called the tertium quid, which means third way. You know, we hear about nature and nurture mm. uh, for people's personality. And what he said, there's a third way, and that is that reincarnation aspect. In other words, when you study people, and this is the world of transpersonal psychology, when you study people and, and use hypnosis and use meditation and, and uh, people uh, acknowledge their near-death or shared-death experiences and analyze them and go deep, what you start finding is we've all had these, these kinds of experiences. We have this kind of shared presence. Uh, but the reality is in our modern world, our culture has taught us to deny some of that evidence. And this is why it's so important that the scientific world is now, and has been for the last six decades at least, been studying these kind of questions and paying attention to them. And we start to realize that this, this ground of, of love that is shown through near-death experiences, I mean, you find the same thing in, in hospice in a prison setting, mm-hmm. uh, for example, of where a prisoners working as hospice uh, for their own prisoners who are dying, those same prisoners, and they might be murderers and rapists, what they end up going through is, is the life review that can be part of the dying process, not just a near-death experience. But they experience that sense of love and realize how they had wronged the world through their actions, uh, but they realize that the universe can still have love for them as long as they can recover that love in their hearts. Realize that it was... Uh, you know, to hurt others was a gr- uh, an error, essentially. Mm. It's an indirect pathway uh, for a soul to progress. And this is why the more we study these cases, the more we learn about the, the stories of NDEs by the thousands that are out there, we realize that we're really here to take care of each other. And, and, and in, rela- in relation to, sorry, in relation to the question of nature and nurture, and I'm sorry there's a, that why we interrupt each other, there's a slight delay between us, but don't worry about that. In nature and nurture... Do you believe that some people of this world are born evil? Or, or is it always just nurture? I mean, you talk about reincarnation, so maybe there were bad people in a previous life too, I don't know. But do you believe that people were, are born, from the very day they're born, they're born to be evil or bad? I, I, don't believe, I don't believe that. I don't believe any soul is inherently evil. I think that it, it arises from circumstances in one's life, that one behaves like that, but that's why it's all the more imperative that every one of us start to talk about these NDE stories and share them because of the reality they present about those life reviews. The life review shows us that we're sharing one mind. 
when you, when Bruce Grayson, who has studied these as an, a skeptic MD, who's spent more than 45 years studying these, and he just wrote his memoir of that long career, and that book is called After, and I highly recommend it. Uh, but what he what he came to realize in recent study of of these life reviews is that they're more real than lived experiences, and that also, as I said, very importantly, that when you experience it, you experience it from the perspective of others around you. So if you spent your life hurting other people, being greedy or selfish, or handing out pain and suffering, in your life review, you experience that. On the receiving end, that is how life reviews teach us slowly and gently over multiple incarnations uh, to be loving and to be caring and to take care of each other and not be, uh, you know, egotistical and narcissistic mm-hmm. and hurting and... and <laughs> yeah, I, I, I get what you're um, saying. You, you only, you'll only get back, in other words, you'll only get back what you give to the universe. In other words, if you're, give, if you're giving out the wrong vibes, you're going to get the wrong vibes back again. Essentially. That's, well, if you're, you're right on with that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very, absolutely. very true. Well, look, you had... That's why it helps to love other people and to show love and kindness because the universe ends up giving you that back. It's, it's, by the way, the one thing that always amazes me about the human mind, you know, the one thing as they always say in life that we're sure of is death and taxes. So from the day we're born, we're dying. And we're heading towards death, which is usually about 82 or 83 years of age, depending if you're male or female. And yet, as human beings, the most, uh, I suppose, traumatic thing that will happen, to happen in our lives is we will die. We have an ability to forget about that till the not long before it happens, or if you're diagnosed with something terminal at latter stages of life. So we have this, it, this amazing ability within the brain to forget this most traumatic experience that we're destined to see. It, it's incredible, isn't it? Well, except I will tell you that dying is one of the greatest adventures we go through. One of the biggest surprises is that your consciousness expands when you die. You know, the materialist model, the conventional science model of our culture says that as you die, your brain goes out and there goes your consciousness. That's the exact opposite of what people who have died and had near-death experiences will tell you. They will tell you that your consciousness expands. You, you encounter your higher soul, the souls of departed loved ones. Go through that life review, plan next incarnations. And the interesting thing is if you read Christopher Kerr's book, he's a hospice doctor in Buffalo, New York, he only writes about people who die. He doesn't write about near-death experiences, and yet you find that in people who die, in his experience, they go through the very same things as people who describe near-death experiences. They encounter Mm -hmm. souls of departed loved ones. They go through life reviews. They make amends for the wrongs they've done others. Uh, They come to realize the deep love the universe has for them. Ninety percent of people who have had near-death experiences over thousands of years across all belief systems come back believing in some form of a loving, intelligent force at the core of the universe. Whether you want to call it God, Allah, Brahman, Vishnu, Jehovah, Yahweh, Great Spirit, I don't care what name you want to throw on it. The bottom line is it's real. It's a higher power. That is what near-death experiencers come back telling us. Okay, there's a question here, by the way. Somebody just texted in. Dave says he wants to know what you think of kids seeing people who have passed away. So this idea that children are better receivers of, I suppose, information from the past or information from people who have died... And, well, you know, you know, children always have the imaginary friend and all that kind of stuff. So is, it, is that real? Is that actually a thing? Or is that just because a child has a wonderful imagination? Well, a lot of it is very real. And a lot of it is children who might end up playing with the soul of their grandparent. Their grandparent could have easily died before the child was born. It doesn't matter. 
they end up knowing them. They know the right name. They know the right way to refer to them. I mean, I've heard many of those stories from people whose children have had these kind of experiences. We need to open our minds much more and quit uh, following the false beliefs, the negative beliefs of materialism uh, you know, or physicalism, because they lead us into, uh, into uh, falsehoods and, and misunderstanding. And this is why it's so important to acknowledge um, this much bigger picture of the soul and uh, kind of our interrelationships with others. And as I said, the scientific community is fully on board with this now, and the evidence for that is right there at BigelowInstitute.org. Those 29 winning essays are incredibly powerful at teaching people the reality of of primacy of mind, of consciousness, and that our souls are eternal. Uh, It's very comforting, and it also uh, has a lot to do with how we need to live these lives. You know, I live my life very differently now that I'm no longer a materialist, and I know the reality of this and the importance of my soul being there to help other people, mm-hmm. other souls, that we're all in this to help others. We're all and in this together. And if we lost sight of that, we've really lost sight of one of our main reasons for being. This is why I'm so glad the book Proof of Heaven, Map of Heaven, and especially Living in a Mindful Universe, the third book, uh, have really helped a tremendous number of people to get on board with this kind of thinking and to come to a deeper understanding. Uh, well, look, they, they, sound like a, they sound like wonderful reads. They sound like wonderful reads because you're a wonderful person to interview. You're so knowledgeable, and uh, it's so interesting to listen to your theories. You know, we all have different views on life and different views on the way the mind works and the soul works and different beliefs in gods and different gods that we all believe in. But I think we all have a common sense of there's something. There has to be something there. Uh, and you've explained it extremely well. And uh, The books, by the way, are called Proof of Heaven, The Map of Heaven, and Living in a Mindful Universe. And uh, you can get them in all the usual outlets. And by the way, you, you, it says on, on your bio that you've had 400 media interviews. You've now got 401. So, so. Well, I'm talking about 801 now. But, uh, <laughs> hey, I enjoyed talking very much, Niles. Yeah. Thank you. And by the way, I just, just noticed, actually, you were on with Oprah, Larry King. He's a legend. Um, you were on with Larry King. You've been on uh, Good Morning Tele- uh, Good Morning America. My gosh, you've been on all the big ones. Well, now I'm on with Niles, and that's the only one that counts for me today. And I'm so glad. I love Ireland and the Irish people, so I'm especially happy to have a have you ever been here? to hopefully help some people there. Have you ever been to Ireland, Evan? I have not. I've been to Scotland and England, and I've been aching to go to Ireland. In fact, my youngest sister, Phyllis, was over there about six years ago, and she just flew in, into Ireland. Uh, she had no plans for two weeks. And she knew it would work, that she said the people in Ireland are so nice. They just welcomed her into their homes. She had a fantastic time, made a lot of friends, ended up taking her kids there a year later. So I can't wait. Well, all you've uh, you got to do, Evan, when you get to Ireland, when you get to Dublin, all you've got to do is go into a pub, or <laughs> right, a bar, as they call it in America, and you will end up staying in somebody's house. <laughs> so that's well, all you good. have to do. Well, I look forward to it. Well, I just love it. I can't wait. And I know Irish people are also very musical, and I love music. So I just, I can't wait. One of these days, I'll make it over there and I'll try and find you, okay? All right, listen, you're welcome to come into the studio and chat to us when you do manage to do that. Listen, thank you very much indeed, Dr. Eben Alexander, and I appreciate you coming on the air. All the way from Virginia, by the way, the book is called Proof of Heaven, uh, The Map of Heaven, and Living in a Mindful Universe. And he was an academic neurosurgeon. 
until his own transcendental near, near-death experience. It changed his view on life, I suppose. And um, he's been on all the big ones, I suppose. And uh, thanks to Jane for that, because I, even though I may not agree with everything he says, because I, I have different, we have different beliefs, I, I think it's incredible to, to listen to some of it because you kind of have to say to yourself, what's the purpose of all this? What's the purpose of life? Do you ever, ever kind of wonder what the purpose is? That, you know, we're just put onto this planet. Boom, there you go. 80 years. Have a good time. See you in 80 years. <laughs> real people. Real opinions. Real Talk Radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Niall.